0: Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening. Welcome to the Secret Resume podcast, hosted by me, Melody Moore. In this podcast, we explore the people, places, and experiences that have shaped my guests, those which have influenced who they are as people and where they are in their work life today. You can listen in as we have a rich exploration of often unexamined and undiscussed, but very important aspects of their lives, or as I like to call it, their secret resume. My guest today is Maddie Shine. Maddie is a visibility coach for women in business and she has helped thousands of female entrepreneurs with her trainings, courses and My Visible Vibes online community. She firmly believes that life is literally full of opportunity and it's up to us to find and get booked by those who want to work with us. Specialising in the creative industries, She has been featured on many industry stages, podcasts and events in the UK and around the world. Based in London, Maddie is easily spotted by her bright blue hair and large and colourful earrings. A fun fact about Maddie is that Sandy Toxvig once called her a clever girl, a fact she cherishes daily. Uh, Maddie Shine, really, really happy to have you here with your beautiful coloured wall behind you, which matches your hair, as I just uh, just pointed out. But Maddie, do you want to say a little bit about who you are, um, and then we can really get into your very interesting uh, story? Well, thank you so much. It's so
1: wonderful to be here. Thank you. Um, I love having good chat so this this will be a great this will be a great session. Um, so yes, so I'm Maddie Shine. Sadly, that was not my birth name, but it's certainly the name that I'm most well known by. Um, I am a visibility coach for women in business. That is how I frame myself these days. I teach courses. I run workshops, um, usually online, but also in real life now that we're this side of you know what. And I absolutely love showing women how to take up space on the Internet with their businesses. So they're usually solo women in business. And they usually make things, create them, offer them as services. So I work with all sorts of amazing, creative, talented people all over the UK um, and also sometimes in Europe and Australia and America. And uh, I have been in business now coming up to 11 years, uh, which is wild. If anyone had asked me what i have been doing with my life, this is definitely not how I saw it, come, saw it happening. But I am so thrilled, actually, that, um, that it's all working you Know pretty well, and uh, I'm based in southeast London in a lovely park called Crystal Palace. Mm-hmm.
0: I was just thinking how um, Maddie Shine is such a perfect name for a visibility coach, it's <laughs> uh, it's nominative determinism, even though it wasn't your name, you said. Um, <laughs> it feels like uh, it's, it's a perfect name for what it is that you do, you're helping women to shine, so yeah, yeah. Great name. Yeah.
1: Thank you. Thank you. Yes.
0: <laughs> all ties in well, doesn't it? Yeah. <laughs> it's, almost, it's almost like you chose the name. Oh, <laughs> unlike myself being called Melody, and I'm the least melodic, least musical person you could meet and definitely cannot sing to save my life. Well, I can, but very, very badly. Um, so, yes, I don't live up to uh, up to my name at all, which is quite sad, but there we go. So, Maddy, let's go right back. Let's go back to the 90s. I feel like a Radio 2 DJ saying that. <laughs> <laughs> let's go back to the 90s. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, when you were at school, um, do you want to talk a little bit about you did something that was probably quite unusual and certainly quite unusual for a girl at that time?
1: So, yeah, so I am now 40. Um, so in the 90s, that was my teen years. So very formative for me. And I went to a private convent school, uh, mainly because I did not get into the grammar school. I didn't get high enough 11 plus, And I tried not to let that affect me. But of course it did. Like these things always stick with you. Right. Um, but I actually went to my mum's old school. So I knew some of the nuns there and I knew that I'd be well taken care of there. And whilst many of my friends now will kind of say I did not have a good time at that school, I loved it. I had a great time because what I did was I really leaned into the role of teacher's pet. And so I was a real SWAT. I just basically swot. God, I haven't said that word in a long time, but I was. <laughs> um, but I, I, you know, I just basically I absolutely loved learning. I loved um, all these kind of different topics that, you know, I'd never heard of before. And basically, um, I really wasn't popular. I didn't have many friends. So what I did was I spent a lot of time with doing things that I did love. Um, and one of those was being with computers. Basically, I just learned how to use computers really early on. My dad always used to bring back computers from work. He was a GP. And uh, essentially, we I just basically used to watch him code. I used to watch him do all these kinds of like fantastical things and then different things would happen and I had no idea what any of it meant but I just thought that looks pretty cool and so you know when he got the internet I think this was 97 it was before any of my friends had the internet and so I thought what 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 is this thing it's connecting with me with people all over the world that's incredible um what amazing opportunities there must be out there to to meet people who have, a, you know, these kind of interests and all this, you know, all sorts of other people that I could be friends with, you know, basically like a lonely teenager, you know, <laughs> the, usual, the usual teenage angst and then some. Um, and so I actually learned to code. Uh, my dad gave me a subdomain of his business website, which would never happen now. Can you imagine? Uh, but yeah, so he gave me a page and I basically designed this website. Being 16, it was about Ace Ventura, Bagpus, and I think the magic roundabout. Um <laughs> Well, and, that's
0: and
1: a like, very strange mix, <laughs> you know. Yes, it was all like I just thought it was cool and retro, and I used all these this massive candy font, and I just thought it was amazing. And they and I was like, oh yeah, I'm going to learn how to design my own fonts, and I learned how to code in HTML, and I just thought the whole thing was brilliant. I just I just loved it, and um and obviously I sort of kept it a bit secret, but my dad was highly encouraging. He was like, oh, this is great. If you want to do this, you know. But that wasn't really like I remember doing careers tests at school, and people were saying, you know, the, t- the test were coming out. Well, you're a real people person. You know, you should look at social work, or you know, with a personality like yours, maybe a stage manager. And I was thinking, who puts me backstage? I mean, no. You know, <laughs> I, I love I did drama DCSE I loved it. You know, I was I was in all the school plays and everything, um and so I just I had no idea what I was going to do. But I did know that I really liked this. You know, working with computers. But that just didn't seem to be an option unless you wanted to go full nerd, you know, mm-hmm. and I definitely didn't want to do that. So why not?
0: Went... What What was yeah. why not full nerd?
1: Because I really liked the arts. I liked art and I liked drama and I liked English and I books. And so I was that kind of, you know, theater nerd, if you like. I, I went to the theater a lot with my family. I, I grew up in Devon and we used to come to London an awful lot. Um, because my parents used to go to university here so they had lots of friends and they had family here and it was yeah London was always the place that I knew I was going to end up so I think that's maybe why the bullying and stuff didn't matter quite so much sometimes at school because I knew that I wasn't going to be there forever and I knew that I was going to go on to London and that I didn't know what I was going to do but I, I was very you know I was sort of like no I'm I, you know this isn't you know, I'm. I'm my my mum used to say to me, or well, you know, bully for them." And I was like, "Well, it's all very well for you to say, Mum. You know, you're you're not the teenager going through it." But actually, Mum and Dad did help going. You know, help me keep perspective in all of that because they were like, "Let's encourage her skilled, Let's encourage her to dream bigger." And I was like, "Oh, actually, <laughs> looking back, I was like, wow, that really was quite good actually for them to do that because, as you know, not every not every parent is like that. I guess no." Um, But you had
0: that, you could cope with the, with the difficult time in the bullying because you knew you weren't going to stick around.
1: Maybe, maybe looking back with hindsight, certainly didn't feel like that at the time, but I think with adult perspective and therapy, maybe that's what I was going through. Um, But I, um, no, so I actually changed schools for sixth form and had a terrible time, had even worse time, really bad. Um, But I did really cool A-levels. Things that weren't available at the convent school. So I did media studies. So I got to study film. I thought that was the coolest thing. The teachers were horrible, but you know, it was the coolest topic. Uh, I studied Christian theology. Having gone to a convent school, I wasn't allowed to question anything. And I was deeply fascinated by that. Um, I just thought, you know, let's talk about abortion and euthanasia and all these things. And so I learned to question ideas, although I didn't do very well in my A level for that because. You were supposed to write all the kind of people who agreed it and the people who didn't agree with it and then conclude with who you agreed with. And then I just used to make up my own opinion to conclude and they didn't like that, so they didn't give me a very good score. (laughs) (laughs) Two out there. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. I didn't think I was particularly radical, to be honest. I was sort of like, no, I'm just trying to play play it slightly under the radar. But again, I was doing a lot of um, theatre. I was involved in plays at school and I used to go away to Stratford-on-Avon on trips and things like that. Um, and I started doing work experience. So you were encouraged in this work experience scheme through school to apply for a week somewhere. And most people in Devon sort of went to, you know, a local business, basically. I decided that I wanted to go further afield. And my dad, through his connections, because he's a he's also a rowing journalist, I went and got a week experience at the, um, at the uh, boat race press office.
0: So to let me just get this right. Your dad was a GP and a rowing journalist.
1: Oh, I mean, my dad is a massive portfolio career guy. Like, he he's never going to retire. He's, he travels all over the world commentating on revving these days. Like, it's amazing. So I think that's probably also why I'm just like, oh, yeah, I do this now. And I do this now. And haven't you heard I do this? You know? So it's just, it's sort of, I grew up with that. And uh, and knowing that I would just be a very busy person, no matter what I was doing. You know? Um, so yeah, so I, I went and did a week's work experience and it was eye-opening being in London. So I stayed with my cousins and I never really traveled on the tube on my own before. I was 17 and it was so exciting. I absolutely loved it. And actually then they asked me, someone in that office then asked me to come and do, basically I was a runner, you know, office runner. And then I was asked for a paid week the following year at London Marathon Press Office. And it was so much fun. I got to stay in a hotel on my own that time. My God, it was so exciting <laughs> over at Tower Bridge. And I was like, "Wow!" And I had a boyfriend by that time. And they gave me this brick of a mobile phone. And I ran up some horrendous bill. They didn't tell me till afterwards. I felt a bit bad about that. Um, but, uh, I mean, it was the year two thousand. You know, like it was. Um, it, it was a different time, should we say? And I couldn't believe about all these different biz- different careers that all these different people had that I met so in the press office there were all these women in PR and they were all early to mid-30s which I thought at the time was frightfully old I thought my god they're like proper grown-ups they all know what they're doing and you know they've really got their shit together excuse me if I don't know if I can swear um, That's fine. And, and 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 I'm now much older than them I'm now well much older I'm 40 now and I'm sort of thinking my god like how, how did I put these women on such pedestals but they you know they got they introduced me to margaritas and they took me to see Bridget Jones diary and which I thought was a radical movie. i would never seen such a thing. And I just was like, wow, is that what it's like? And they were like, yeah, it's great, isn't it? Drinking Chardonnay on your own in your own flat. And I was like, God, I can't wait to move to London if that's what it's gonna be like, wow. Um, but yeah, it was really, they, they gave me some really, really great advice. I was about to go and study teaching at university because I thought I, love, I loved school, love English, why not go and become an English teacher? So I was going through the UCAS process for that. And actually, they said, listen, Maddie, I think that you are putting yourself in too small a box. I think that you, if you don't know what you want to do, then you need to open up and be broader. So do something like maybe just English rather than English teaching. Or, you know, I said, I think I'm going to do business. So I studied business at UWE in Bristol um, after a gap year. And honestly, that gap year was also so needed for me because I just needed to take a break. Like I said, mm. sick form was quite tough. And after all that advice and everything, and I'd been doing even more careers tests, I didn't know what to do. So I took a gap year and I went to secretary school in my local town. But I like, because I'd been learning all these computer stuff, I was like, I might as well get the certificate for it. And so actually there were all these mums going back to work after, ki- after having kids. So I basically became the teaching assistant. And I loved it. I thought it was great. I, I, I again met all these people that I would never normally have met um, from all sorts of walks of life and they were just like who are you this like chirpy kind of 19 year old like I was just like happy to help and you know really going for teacher's pet thing again (laughs) and uh, yeah and then I went to yeah like I said I went to study business in Bristol
0: and it's quite a leap isn't it from studying teaching English uh, becoming an English teacher to business studies they're quite different Where did that idea for business studies come from? Do you remember?
1: No, no idea. No idea. I think it was probably suggested by one of those PR ladies. Mm. I just I they were just like, just do something really broad, like journalism, marketing, business, because then you can always apply it to anything. And Mm. I think that's probably why I went into those secretary school certificates as well, because then I would always have a backup plan. Mm. I I love going out, I love going to bars, but I knew I wouldn't I wasn't a very good waitress or barmaid or anything like that, because I tried doing that when I was a teenager. It was appalling. Uh, I got talking to, too much to people, basically <laughs> too distracted. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I now know it's because I have a neurospicy brain, but I didn't know that at the time. Um, so, so yeah. So basically, I thought if I go and do secondary certificates, I can go and temp uh, in the time when I haven't got lectures, and that's what I did. That's what I did for for beer money when, when, throughout university, and it was hugely helpful. Um, because actually that's when my first taste of entrepreneurial stuff came in. Um, so what I did was I found out that the agency were charging something like 35 pounds an hour for me and I was getting seven pounds 50 an hour. Um, which back then was still felt quite high because yeah. my friends, I think were getting five pounds, you know, like it was just that kind of time. And so I, uh, said I, beca- I got quite friendly with one of the lawyers that I was temping for. And I said to him, um, so I've just found out about this discrepancy, and uh, I was wondering what you thought about sacking the agency and uh, and hiring me because then you always get the guaranteed me. You don't like you don't play roulette with whatever temp you might get. They had a big fur with lots of different lawyers, always needing PAs and secretaries. And I said, you just pay me fifteen pounds an hour instead. And they said, how about twelve? I said, done. There we go. And that was and that was that basically. And it was great. It really, like I said, it, it, was, it was my first taste of, oh, if I ask for something, there's a chance that people might say yes. Mm. It was quite an exciting opportunity. I love that.
0: I love the idea of cutting <laughs> you there, cutting out
1: the middleman. <laughs> <That's> just... <laughs> I mean, quite bold, quite really. Quite bold, yes, yeah. I didn't the, say that. The agency called me up and they were like, oh, you know, this is, this is illegal, blah, blah. And I was like, well, I think you better speak to the lawyers. You know, I sort of played dumb about it. And the lawyers were like, we're lawyers, what are you going to do? You know, like it was just... (laughs) Perfect.
0: So let's take a a bit of a leap forward from that time then um, and talk about, uh, you know, a a sort of uh, event in your life that really feels like everything else just has happened off the back of that in terms of that uh, you were made redundant during the 2009 10 financial crisis
1: yes yes I was I was so so I I had gone and I'd done my business degree I'd done various different jobs in London and I was working in a job in Wandsworth southwest London I was a marketing manager so I worked for this catalogue company you know there's catalogs that's Mm. all out of newspapers selling things that you never knew you needed you know all of that magnifying glasses (laughs) exactly exactly and maps for jigsaws all that stuff um so yeah so loved it absolutely loved the team we had a looking back pretty much codependent situation going on but it was a really small team everyone got on really well we all went out drinking together all the time it was everything I as a 25 year old could possibly want you know is this your Bridget Jones years yes exactly oh my goodness yes I hadn't even typed that in a while <laughs> I was just like yeah this is great loving life um I lived with my best friend Um, and she works and still does work in film and TV. And we were just, yeah, we were just living our best life. I was organizing fancy dress parties, all sorts of things. And then I got made redundant. And we'd sort of known that things were not looking great. Our um, founder, if you like, had suddenly dropped dead uh, one August bank holiday when he was out running. And it really shook the company. And particularly because we were a small company obviously there were changes to be made but it was it was it was pretty horrible that whole situation and I had just met a guy who I would then later marry and then divorce like it was just it was like this really pivotal time and he had gone to India for the winter he was always that that was always his plan before I met him and so I thought you know what I'm going to do the same when I got my redundancy check I was like, I'm going to go to India. And he said, oh, thank God for that, because I'm going to go back. So we went together. And it was this whole adventure. I never I never went traveling my gap here when all my friends did. I was such a homegirl, really. And I'd never really, you know, gone on holiday without my parents, to be honest, let alone, I mean, maybe a couple of trips here and there, but never anything like India. And also the other thing was that my grandpa had fought in India, and he was ac- incredibly emotional about, telling me about what it was like and would tell me all these stories and this far off place and it looked magical and it was it was amazing like I just couldn't believe how much I loved it so I was there for six months and then basically that started like a nomadic existence so I would live in London on a houseboat for six months in the summer and then I would go back to India for six months in the winter and I did that for a few years and um, it was quite an exciting sort of chapter because. I really thought that when I was made redundant, I thought no one's going to hire me because, you know, financial crisis, no one was hiring. Um, You know, I'm going to have to go back to going. I'm going to have to go back to temping, which I did. And that was absolutely fine, because actually then I got in with a team at a bank over in the city and they paid me more than I'd ever been paid. I think double what I was being paid as a marketing manager, just because of the type of company it was. And uh, it was great. So I always had that to fall back on. But of course, it wasn't fulfilling. So I knew that I had to
0: look for something more. So were you working in India or were you just traveling and working
1: here to pay? For India. Yeah, that was that's what it was. Yeah, that's what it was like the first few winters. And then um, I thought, oh, gosh, this isn't sustainable or I need to be sustainable in a different sort of way, because this is not challenging to my brain being a secretary at that kind of temp level. Um, And so I didn't really know what to do. And so, you know, of course, sensible advice was coming to me going, you should take a full-time job in the city, particularly because it pays well, you know, build up a nice nest egg, all this stuff. And I was like, no, don't want to do any of that. Thanks very much. I was in India. I was very involved in a meditation school and I used to volunteer out there and go, which was beautiful. And I was involved for 10 years in total. So it was really kind of like, no, that's what I want to do. And how am I going to use my strengths and talents? to the best of my ability and really have a fulfilling life that's what I wanted so I started my own business but it didn't really look like that at the beginning so this was 2012 I had just got married and I was just leaving London and I started writing for a wedding blog so basically an online wedding magazine
0: so when you got married you went to India then so 2012
1: yeah yeah and then I got my first client through that and she paid me 10 pounds an hour and I was so happy earning that £10 an hour I cannot tell you I was just writing blog posts for her I was running her social media I just thought it was brilliant and um, so I did 10 hours a month for her I was like yep this is brilliant and then actually sort of working up to that I tried various different side hustles it wasn't like I just landed on that one and that one worked Mm. I had run a proofreading business for a while helping I'd run helping people with their CVs for a while I'd Run a transcription business for a while. I was I I was going great guns, but actually it was it wasn't like it wasn't using my creative brain, Mm -hmm. you know, all the art stuff that I loved from school. So uh, so yeah, so it was it was great to finally land on this thing. Because then she then started telling me people about me. It was great. So I then started supporting people with their SEO, with getting found on Google, um, with their websites, with all the it was tying in the tech stuff that I've been doing all these years. It was tying in all the creative stuff that I'd always longed to be doing and writing. It was tying in teaching people, which I'd always wanted to do. Um, that's why I was going to go and become an English teacher. So it was it really started to tie things together, uh, which was amazing. That's
0: really interesting, isn't it? So there was the, the teaching, which you were going to do and then didn't. The English, which you loved. The tech stuff that you started learning when you were 16 and I guess then went and did those secretarial qualifications as well probably related to that just out of interest that to that tech stuff and the coding which started uh when you were young did you carry on with some of that more techy side of things throughout yes absolutely
1: so I went to I went to an open university certificate in web app development uh web development and I'd also tried and Various different app ideas. Um, I I'd met various people along the way who had encouraged me and helped me. I'd run um, kind of secret blogs to start writing more. I would even tried to start writing books and things like that. So I'd always try to tie in those different interests, kind of like an underlying thing, because I thought that would be a really cool way to get, yeah. Way, way to keep my interest going even as a side hustle in addition to my day job
0: mm-hmm. sounds like you were doing side hustles before the phrase side hustle
1: was invented definitely definitely yes in fact when the, when that phrase suddenly became a thing I was like aren't you just talking about life aren't you but again now knowing that I'm neurospicy, <laughs> like no that's just a, that's just how my brain works kind of how it has to be kind of occupied with all my different interests yeah
0: and so, is that you've said a, a couple of times about your neurospicy brain? Is that yeah. that you, you know, is it that you need constant stimulation? Is that where you think all of these ideas and these different uh, yeah. side hustles comes from?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Because so in the, in the past couple of years, I've been doing so much reading about ADHD and neurodivergent people, and I'm just no, I, I I've never felt more like seen, as the kids say, you know, just like it's just wow this is literally how my brain is and I thought everyone's brain was like that and I've met so many people who do who have been diagnosed now with ADHD um who they're just like yeah I also thought that everybody just thought like this and it turns out no our brains are just different and that's great and and it feels it feels really good to sort of just be I feel more grounded and much more stable knowing that that is how my brain works because if I am in constant need of stimulation I also need that, that I also know that's a sign I need rest,
0: if mm. that makes sense.
1: Um, and so because otherwise I know I'm going to spit out and head to burnout, you mm-hmm. know, which has happened in the past to me for sure, because of all my different interests and, and desire for stimulation, basically. Mm.
0: Mm. So you eventually settled on or, or did you settle on, um, you know, that business idea or was it just that that one, one particularly took off? What what made you really focus on the SEO area?
1: well it's basically because there was no one in my field who was doing it the way I wanted it to be done so um to all these small businesses they were just like there's all this boring advice out there and i was like well i understand it and i can just translate it into actual motivational inspirational marketing advice and they were like yes we will pay you for that that's essentially how it happened and then i became known as this seo expert in my industry so i was you know the go-to person in the wedding industry in the UK uh for a good while um and I was kind of running audits and website projects and copywriting and I was trying to run this kind of full stack agency but it just wasn't profitable I I built up too quickly and I had all these contractors and it was just it was exhausting and I hit burnout essentially so I then made the switch to teaching courses so rather than constantly trying to do it for people I was um yeah i I made the switch to to courses and of course then i could reach more people as well because my mission really was to help as many people who wanted my help as possible and that is still my mission really um it's just that i've just been you know molding and evolving over the years to to find the best way to do that that suits me as well Uh, as well as well as them yeah
0: yeah it's one thing that i uh, also being self-employed you kind of read a lot around how you are restricted by your personal capacity. Um and you know the danger for burnout is very real, I think.
1: Oh yes. Yes, a hundred percent percent. I have I've been on there's a burnout podcast that I was on, I think maybe in lockdown, talking about this because I think that it's so it's something that people don't talk about enough because our we have been taught to to produce, produce, produce you must be busy. Busy is glamorous. Busy is fun. If you're not busy, then there must be something wrong with your life. In fact, I was even at an event last week and another speaker said to me, because he had no idea who I was and that's fine. You know, it's not like I'm that famous. I'm not Katy Perry. I know that. But it was funny because he said, oh, are you busy? And I said, yeah. And he went, well, that's good. It's a sign you're doing something right. And I was like, I can't even begin to tell you what, I, 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 I didn't know him, so I didn't say it. But I, I wanted to say, I can't begin to tell you how many wrong things there are in what you just said. Mm. Yes, it's yeah. just a, it's just a rubbish small talk thing to say. First of all, but also, it's just no. You know what? <laughs> like that's that's not why I started my business. I don't think anyone starts their business to be busier. <laughs> no,
0: and I think for me that's really interesting. Having uh, I worked in a very corporate
1: career for
0: twenty years or so working for big organizations and and always looked at people who were self-employed and in some ways i thought well you know i may be working really 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 hard but i know i'm guaranteed a salary and i'm being well paid and there was always a fear for me that you become self-employed and actually you're working just as hard but for half the money if that sometimes and Whilst the the ability to have the flexibility and make your own decisions, you know, I'm loving all of that. But it it, it is an interesting. There's almost like a um, a snobbery from people who are self-employed about the employed, and vice versa, really. And both look at each other a bit askance. But
1: um, <laughs> yes.
0: there's there's potential yes. for burnout in both.
1: Yeah, definitely.
0: But um, yeah, when the book stops, really, genuinely stops with you. I think you have to be much more mindful and conscious about your decisions.
1: A hundred percent. You know, I was saying this to people last week because there's now all sorts of insurances that you can get to help you cover sick pay, for example, that you don't otherwise get as a self-employed person. Um, And I think that, you know, particularly when I first started out, that didn't exist. Like people were just like, If you get sick and you're self-employed, you need to go back to work? And I'm like, yeah, but I'm sick, so you can't. (laughs) Particularly, I'm talking like long-term sick, you know. Um, And uh, I just think that there's so much more now available to support self-employed people. Uh, There's so many more schemes, free schemes offered by the government, even, and uh, just all sorts of different things that just weren't around. And I just think that that's also one of the good things about now. I'm in now I'm kind of describing myself as a coach that's one you know there's many bad things said about the coaching industry but one of the many many good things is that there are so many more ways to be supported as well mm-hmm. Um, that there just weren't before and that goes for whether you're self-employed employed whatever your circumstances because if you've got a problem there's a coach out there who will be able to help you basically. yeah
0: absolutely someone knows <laughs> about it no, that's exactly sure. <laughs> yeah um, so let's talk a little bit about that so you've You've made a sort of pivot, I would say, yeah. in your business recently um, yeah. away from the SEO um, yeah. side of things. So I guess, A, why, what what caused that pivot to happen? And B, tell me more about
1: what, it, what you're doing and why you love yes. it. Yes, yes. It's sort of, it's funny really, because it is a sort of a, an evolution, if you like, of my oh. business. And I wanted to make a bigger deal about it because frankly, if I ever talk about keywords the rest of my life something that people always ask me about with SEO and getting found on Google the, the very idea kind of depressed me so I really didn't want to do that so so essentially I'm sort of I'm still I'm still doing it but I'm just not talking about it now because what I've always been most passionate about is you know all these all these people with their businesses all they really want to do they don't want to become Google experts they don't want to become web design experts. They don't want all of this stuff. What they really want is to get those sales and bookings, and that's what that's what I've always helped people with. So whether it's marketing, whether it's web design, whether it's copywriting, whether it's you know auditing, whatever it is for their businesses, I've always I've always done that. It's just that I became so well known for the SEO stuff, and so really it's sort of like a ten to two sort of pivoting to 10 past two really mm-hmm. it's not quite it's not even a 20 past two. you know like mm. it's, it's not a one eight or whatever I don't know how to, far to go with this analogy but you know what <laughs> I mean like it's I know just, what you mean yeah you did you did um and so I think that when I'm reframing what I do essentially mm. so that's why I call myself a visibility coach because what's the point in doing all this stuff if it's not going to make you visible And actually, it's helped the people I work with already because they're like, yes, of course, that's why, you know, it helps keep them their eye on the long term goal or maybe the short term goal, depending on what they're doing for it. It's just like, oh, the reason I'm plugging away Instagram today is because I want to be more visible. If I'm not more visible, who cares how many followers I have? If I'm, you know, if I'm if I'm not getting to page one of Google, um, and, uh, you know, like it's not the end of the world. There are many other ways to get to page one of Google, if that makes sense. Um, so, yeah, so it was, it, it's just really helping the people I work with. Um, but it's also helping my own brain because I do so many different, I offer so many different ways to help people. Mm. Um, and that's really why I wanted to, to announce this great pivot, if you like. Um, yeah, kind of at the start of this year. Yeah. <laughs> and how's it going so far? really well yeah love it so I have launched a brand new course teach what you know which is basically where I teach people how to turn what they know into a course or a consultancy package which is of course like the natural step for a lot of people now um and I think that's brilliant it's just I think there's a lot of bad quality information um and I just think that I really want to work with people who really know their stuff and then can turn that into quality offers Um, And I also think that, um, you know, that there's also, like I said, there's also different ways to sell what you do. So I lead a lot more with teaching with like personality, for example, which is exactly how I became known, not by selling my soul, but by sharing what I'm up to, how I do it in the way that I do it, rather than like relying solely on logic, I tap much more into emotion. And so we talk a lot more about that in my membership community with my one to one clients. So we'll still talk about keywords and heading ones and web design elements and all that kind of stuff. But we'll also talk much more about what's going on for them. What is their capacity? What's actually stopping them from showing up? Because let's face it, we have not been taught how to show up. We've not been taught how to sell ourselves, sell what we do. We've not been taught how to um take up space, and so then lots of people have then come in and tried to teach that, but in a way that feels rash and uh, um you know just crude and just weird and if you don't believe me, then you're a piece of crap and all that you know like it's just these and I'm like, I don't want to listen to people like that, you know we all know who we're talking about these bro marketers and. All these horrendous people that we see with those Instagram ads, where they're kind of yelling at people and all this kind of stuff—like it's weird.
0: It feels to me both quite male a lot of the time, yes, but also quite yeah. American and and British <laughs> people and the way that we present ourselves is different. Yeah, um, and what works in America—I worked for an American firm for a long time—it right. um, doesn't land well here. So we always used to have to do a lot of translating. Um, not just of the literal uh, spellings of things, but just the translating of how things would work here was different. Um, but that's what it feels like maybe you're doing is is coming at it with a slightly more British approach to
1: visibility. <laughs> yes, yes, because also when you think about British visibility, you're like, oh, no, thank you, no, thank you. No, <laughs> no, 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 that's not for me, but thank you all the same. Uh, you know, and I think there is this kind of like there's still this underlying whether you're traditional or not, mm. then you you still have this, oh god, you can't show off. Showing off is the worst thing. Showing off, you might as well be locked up in prison with the murderers if you if you were if you deem to show off. Mm-hmm. And it's like, what, what's wrong with showing off? What's wrong with that? If it's your business. Mm-hmm. What's, wrong with, what's wrong with talking about your life? And uh, there's this brilliant quote called by um by this author called Mona, uh, forgive my pronunciation, L. I think that's how you pronounce her name um and it's something like the most subversive thing a woman can do is talk about her life as if it really matters and it's just like I I heard that recently and I was like oh my god what it's not my whatsapp status like I will I will just always talk about I just like quote is just amazing right really gives me the goosebumps every time I listen to it and I just think that why why don't why aren't we talking about our lives as if they really matter? Because they do. Because they do really matter. And as part of that, our businesses matter. Why wouldn't you want to come along and buy that my buy my wonderful photography or buy my wonderful art or buy my wonderful, you know, knitwear, whatever it is you're making or selling? Um, and I think that you know, um, there's a lot of there's a lot of people out there looking at you men. Uh, who don't have that they have the audacity that we have not been offered I think as women Mm -hmm. so um so yeah so I'm this is why I'm so passionate about 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 what I do now and how I frame that um I was giving a talk last week at a conference well it wasn't really a conference it was sort of like a retreat if you like um to 50 photographers and I was and the talk was how to stop hiding behind the camera because of course they all do Mm -hmm. They know they they believe that their sense of self worth comes from the quality of the photo- photographs that they take, mm. rather than the fact that they're the ones taking the photograph. Mm. So, I've,
0: uh, seen
1: so this, I've seen this talk.
0: I've seen there's so much in organisations. Uh, you know, oh, yeah. not, not with uh, entrepreneurs, but with people who are within an organisation. The if I had a pound for every person who said my work should just speak for itself, I'd be very rich. Um, oh yes. That's what everybody wants to believe, is that that their work is good and people will recognise that. And unfortunately, that is rarely the case. Oh yeah, for sure, for sure, yeah. So you're focusing particularly on women, is that right? Does
1: that mean you won't have male clients? Um, I just think that there's better people better suited out there to work with men. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's not. Yeah, you know, I'm not like a I hate men. i'm going out i'm going out with quite a nice one at the moment (laughs) (laughs) they're all right some of my best friends are men (laughs) yes 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 i suddenly realized i was going into that oh my god no no i um (laughs) no it's funny though isn't it because yes that because of the because of the reasons why i'm passionate about visibility they lend themselves most definitely towards feminism and women taking up space and showing them how to specifically to do that
0: where does that lead you next what's your dream for your business
1: well what i want to do is i really want to you know take up space basically with what i what i'm talking about and what i mean by that is this i have been so afraid to make this pivot before the pandemic and i want to continue to have these conversations where and then see where they lead me because i've always i've always been i've always been led by opportunities throughout my whole career throughout everything it's like by doing what i do and actually sticking to what i love then the next opportunity has come along rather than oh oh god do they want this from me okay i'll go and i'll go and try and do that because that's what i was trying to do sometimes with seo now during the pandemic it served me very well because i was teaching online seo courses and it helped loads and loads of people i was I was speaking to a thousand women a week sometimes, like it was just wild. But um, I just think that when I'm looking at the future, it'll be different offerings. It'll be courses and workshops, sure, but it'll be working with people in a different way to look at what's really going on for them and um, and probably do some more. Yeah, I'm going to be doing some lots more development myself. I'm currently doing this kind of feminist um, business course at the moment, absolutely loving that. And just, I think that some really great things will happen as a result of that. I know it will because it's already making me read different things, listen to different people, uh, develop myself in different ways. So, So who knows basically how it will really look, but I'm very excited. What is
0: a feminist business course?
1: Well, this particular one is take all the things that you know, that you take as standard as business practice and look at them with a feminist lens. So for example, are you really because are you really um meeting people where they're at? Or are you just hoping that they don't really bring their problems to the call and hoping that you're not actually gonna have to treat them where they're at and just hoping that what your sense of equality is will apply to everybody. For example. <laughs> yeah. So it really makes you and you start going, oh actually so it's making me think so much and I have it every Monday morning at the moment what a way to start a week what a way to start a week (laughs) wow I think I need to go and have a look at that (laughs) shout out to Kerry Jarvis that's teaching the course at the moment and I'm loving it that sounds amazing
0: so we've looked forwards what about looking back and giving some advice to a younger version
1: of you Oh my goodness, Um, such a precious question. Um, It's funny because actually I've got a five-year-old, well, I've got two lovely nieces, one's five, one's two, and the five-year-old one is literally a mini-me. She's sassy and chatty, full of a massive personality, my goodness, and she's just so sociable. And so it's almost like I'm giving this advice to her in a way, as well as kind of a younger Maddie. It's just like, keep going, so many people will tell you, so many people who so many people will try and tell you that you're not worth it you'll be made to feel like you're not worth it but there'll be so many people in your life who will believe in you and you need to lean on them you need to find your own support network and you need to enjoy that their support and not shy away from it that's what I would that's what I would say yeah beautiful
0: beautiful you'll have to play it to this to her in a few years when she's old enough to understand it
1: oh yes
0: (laughs) and strapline, tagline for your uh
1: for this episode for your story gosh yes I suppose because like I was saying you know by always staying open to new opportunities by sticking to what I love but also being being open and finding those opportunities I think it's I used to describe SEO as seeking exciting opportunities, but actually that's probably the strapline for my my whole career. Actually. It's you. Yeah, yeah, it is. Yeah. <laughs> so.
0: <laughs> Fantastic. So thank you so much. I, I always um, write down notes uh, whilst I'm recording these, and I always walk away with loads of things to go and look up and people to go and check out and things. So no, I'm definitely inspired by the idea of, feminist business course that's for sure yeah um, that sounds very interesting um but yeah love what you're doing i actually came across you because of your seo work of course <laughs> um but thought she sounds like and she seems like a really interesting woman um who's making an interesting change in her life which is why i was really keen to speak to you so thank you so much for your time oh thank um, you and yeah thank you very much
1: thanks so much thank you
0: Maddie was such a joy to interview. She's absolutely full of life and her personality and her sense of humour really reflected in that bright blue hair and colourful earrings and the amazing colourful background that she has in her home office. Um, There were a couple of things that that really uh, I wanted to, to share that really stood out to me and one of them is this idea of visibility and how we you know how we can use personality and emotion to sell rather than just a logic um, and rational approach and, and how we, particularly as women, have not been taught how to tap, to sell ourselves and to take up space. And I thought the quote that she gave at the end, the most subversive thing a woman can do is talk about her life as though it really matters. It's just the most amazing quote. I got shivers when she said it. I think it's fabulous and I'm going to print that out and stick it up on my wall. I hope you enjoyed this episode of The Secret Resume. If you did, remember to like, share, comment and subscribe as that helps people like you find people like us.